before we get started here this morning, this nice, cold January morning. I heard it's supposed to be cold in January's. <laughs> we have uh, something for you to, to warm yourself up with. So, Daryl, if we have that ready, go ahead. Yeah, how much would we change our days if we started like that, huh? <laughs> it's a whole lot better than other ways we can wake up and start our days, complaining and other things like that. So we get into the Word here this morning. We're going to look at another story of complaining. It does not help them start their day work very well. But think about her. My, my wife found that, put it up on her Facebook page. So if you have access to Facebook, you can probably go over to her page and download that for yourself. And uh, don't, let, don't be outdone by a little girl. That's pretty good what she was doing there. James chapter 1, verse 2, just to review. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Not always good to, not always our, our mind frame to count it all joy when trials and tests are about us. But that's what James tells us to do. He goes on to say, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man unstable in all his ways. If in your test and trial it is revealing that there is something in you that you are lacking as far as wisdom is concerned, how to deal with it, ask God. He will give it to you. Once you ask God for it, don't go around saying, I don't have it. Don't go around saying, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. You can just go out there, around there and say, well, when I need to make a decision, God has said he will give me wisdom. I've asked for him. It's coming. We went on and we looked at the pressure that people get under. That sometimes pressure gets us to change what we're doing. It gets us, pressure can move us out of faith. Pressure can move us out of patience. And we saw the pressure that the children of Israel faced in the Red Sea. It's a big reason why a lot of people fall out of faith is because of pressure. They went on from there and they became hungry and thirsty. And we saw that their bad reaction to a natural need created a lack in their own spiritual life. And it'll do the same thing for us too. Last week we were looking at wait for it. Moses was on the mountain the people were supposed to wait. He was up there 40 days and 40 nights. For the people that seemed like a long time, for God, he says, how quickly have they turned aside? How quickly? Quickly, of course, is relative. Sometimes, in some things, you know, we're ready to wait a week for. Some things we're ready to wait a month for. Some things we're not ready to wait at all for. 
I have a computer on my desk that constantly reminds me of how little time I am willing to wait for things. It is an older computer. You probably say, well, why don't you just replace it? Well, I would, but the new computers don't do what this one does. This is one of those old ones that doesn't work on 64-bit, works on 32-bit. And because of that, I can run my most valuable program on it. And um, if I change computers, I can't run that program anymore. And I, that helps me study the Bible. It helps me do a lot of things. So I keep that going. And uh, it just seems like every time. Today, I don't know how many times it did it. It, was, it had to be at least 20 different times. Every command I gave it, I waited. I mean, I just said a command, print this. 30 seconds later, a window comes up to ask me what I want to print, how I want to do it. Then I have to go in there and change all the settings. Because, you know, whether we print the bulletins or we print the outlines or whatever it is we're printing, the settings are different. I have to go in and change that. Well, then you've got to wait another 30 seconds for that window to show up so that you can change the settings. And then you have to save that, wait another 30 seconds for that to be done to get to the spot where you can print. And then sometimes I send, all right, go out there and print. And I tell it to print so many of them and it prints one. So I have to start all over again. Open it up again, send it to print. And uh, they can get kind of frustrating. Sometimes, you know, you just want to go into a, uh, a search for something. And so you want to open up a new page and you hit the button to hit, open up the new page and you're waiting. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. And it just doesn't, it's not opening up. Eventually, it does finally open up. Now, you would say, well, just go over and do something else. And sometimes I do that. I tab over and I go do something else. But you come on back and it's like, oh, I was wondering where you went. Now, I'll start this again. <laughs> it's just, uh, it is a, it's not fun. Some, I mean, it's just, it's the simplest things. How many of you know you're in a word processor and you open up to open up a file? You just want the little dialogue window to open up a file? Yeah, 30, 45 seconds sometimes for that to show up. Come on now. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm in the Star Trek era because I'm talking to the computer. Doesn't seem to help it, though. It seems to just move along. Well, here in uh, Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Now we've seen a number of times they complained. Did it ever work out well for them when they complained so far? When they were at the Red Sea and they complained, did that work out so well? When they were facing lack of water for the first time and they complained, did that work out well? When they lacked food and they complained, did that work out well? When they lacked water again and they complained, did that work out well? Did it work out well when they complained about the plagues? Because they seemed to complain about each one. Did that work out well for them? No. You would think after all these times they would learn, wouldn't you? Now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned against them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tabera, because the fire of the Lord had burned against them. Now, if you wonder what Tabera means, it means burned. Creative name. Now, the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said. So apparently the complaining of Israel has gotten to be so numerous that we start off chapter 11 talking about a situation where they complain. God got mad. Some of the people got burned. What did they complain about? It's not there, is it? We just left off what it is they complained about and just talk about they complained and, uh, and went on. 
Now, with the children of Israel, they complain about all kinds of stuff. And it's the same thing with us, folks. How many times during the course of the day do we complain? Now, see, I could complain about my computer. And as soon as that rises up on the inside of me to do that, I think, what if I didn't have this computer? I wouldn't be able to run my quick first Bible program. If I wasn't able to run my quick first Bible program, I have to use one of those new ones. They don't do the things that mine does. I don't want to use it. So I quickly remember. And I say, thank God for this computer. I thank the Lord that it still is going and working. And I mean, it's not a wimpy computer. It's a, it's a decent computer. It's just, don't know what it is. But it sometimes is slow. Now, sometimes we can get up and we can complain about our kids. We can complain about our spouses. We can complain about our jobs. We can complain about the weather. We can complain about our cars. We complain about all kinds of things. And complaining won't help. No matter how many times we hear that complaining won't help, tomorrow we are going to complain again. We'll go into the Wawa, we'll get the coffee. And we'll complain it's not hot. It's not strong enough. It's too strong. They didn't have this creamer. How many things can we complain about when we go in and get the coffee? I don't go in and get coffee. So I don't ever complain about that. But there's other things, you know, you go in and you go into the Wawa and you want a certain sandwich already made up and it's not there. What do you want to do? Well, why don't they have this? Why is it not here? It should be here. And we can begin to complain. You could go into the Wawa and look for chocolate milk. And they could be out of chocolate milk. As at the Wegmans not too long ago. Haven't been for a couple of weeks because uh, they were closed last couple of uh, uh, Saturday nights. Went in there, no chocolate milk. There was no half gallons. There was no ga- How can a store as big as Wegmans run out of chocolate milk? I, I, I don't know how that could be. But it runs out. But then, you know, we can complain about those kind of things. Do not let complaining come out of your mouth. You've got to be careful with this, this sort of thing. Complaining will be a problem for you. Whatever it is, folks, that we complain about becomes a mountain in your life. How many of you have enough mountains in your life? Yeah, I don't need any more. Do not need any more. But when I complain about something, I put a new mountain in my life. If you complain about your spouse, you will make your spouse to be a mountain in your life. If you complain about your kids, your kids will become a mountain in your life. If you complain about your house, your house will become a mountain in your life. Stop complaining about it because the more you complain about a thing, the bigger the mountain becomes. Now, I don't say a whole lot about this sort of stuff on Facebook because I have some, um, uh, this is really language only understood by running people. And so I leave most of it off Facebook. I have some running forums and I can talk like this to other people who run because we're on the same wavelength and we understand what it is we're doing. But I'll just share a little bit of this with you here so that you understand it. And if you've ever heard me talk about the weather, I don't talk about the weather in a complaining way. And generally, when, I'm, when I write down some things about going out in the, in the weather, you know, with other running, uh, other running people, we'll talk about the weather in this way. This is going to sound foreign to you. And we're not trying to be braggadocious or anything like that. This is a mentality that you must adapt in order to, to succeed in the thing. And we'll talk about the weather. Did you get to run yesterday? Yeah, I did. Uh, it, it, it was all the way up to 12 degrees by the time I got out there. But, you know, 
it, uh, the wind was up there and was, was blowing pretty good, so it made up for a pretty, a pretty good run. Now, most people don't talk about weather that way. But you see, we have learned to talk about these things that are generally obstacles in ways that are positive. Oh, I ran that course, and oh, there were so many hills on that. Man, I loved it. Oh, it was so much fun. We did this hill, and then there was this hill, and then there was this hill. Oh, it was fantastic. Now, most people don't talk about it that way. But you see, we learned that if we complain about the weather, then the weather will defeat us. If we complain about the terrain, the terrain will defeat us. Whatever it is that we complain about would become a mountain in our life. And so amongst uh, folks who understand, we'll talk about it in this way. And you all understand yourself. How often do you talk about the weather in a negative way and the weather stops you? If you don't want the weather to stop, now some people you do. You know, if you don't want to go out when it's eight degrees outside, you know, and you can talk about it a certain way, that's fine. But if you want to overcome going out in eight degree weather, then you have to talk about it differently. You can't complain about it. You have to talk about it in a positive way. Whatever it is that you want to overcome, you have got to talk about it in a positive way. You can't keep complaining about it. You can't keep going over the negative side of things. You have to change that. So we've gotten so common with the, with the complaining from Israel that we don't even talk about what it is they complained about. We just said they complained. God got mad. People got burned. People died. Let's go on. And so we go on. Verse 4. <clears throat> Now, the mixed multitude. Now, that phrase might throw you. It actually shows up a few times. First time we saw this was over, over in Exodus chapter 12. I believe it's verse 38. Where there's a mixed multitude that comes out. Now, that could be a number of things. And there's really nothing definitive as to what that mixed multitude is. Does it mean that Egyptians came out with them who wanted to, to leave? Um, does it mean that there are some people in Israel who didn't know what tribe they were in? And so they were called the mixed multitude. They were Jewish, but they just didn't know what tribe they were a part of. Uh, that could be. Uh, don't exactly know what it is, but every once in a while it's brought up that it's a mixed multitude. So whatever complaining is going on here is done by what is considered to be the mixed multitude. Now, the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. They yielded to intense craving. They had the intense craving and they yielded to it. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? So the intense craving they had was for <coughs> meat. They wanted some meat. They hadn't had meat. How many of you can relate that if you haven't had meat in a, a couple of weeks, that you might have an intense craving for meat? If you had nothing but vegetables, nothing but salad, no chicken in the salad, just salad and vegetables, after a while you might get hungry for meat. And you might have an intense craving for meat. Well, that's where they're at. They hadn't had any meat. They've had this bread-like substance and, uh, and no meat. And so they've been eating this. And it's a blessing from God because there's no other food beside it. But um, that intense craving came up. So they yielded to this intense craving. Now, craving, you can crave all kinds of things. You can crave things that your flesh wants. You can crave things that are fake spiritual things. You know, the enemy can sow a seed in your mind to desire something that seems spiritual, but it's not. It's fake. God didn't desire you to have it. God didn't desire you to pursue it. But he puts that fake thing in there. Paul ran into some of these. How many times did he run into fake apostles? People decided on their own that they were going to crave the desire of an apostleship. And so they pursued it 
And Paul called them false apostles. Well, where did that desire come from? It didn't come from God. So they began to crave these things and desire these things and pursued it. That was not a thing to do. Just because you have a craving for something that seems to be spiritual doesn't mean it's God. <coughs> so they, there's cravings for flesh, there's craving for fake, and there's tra- craving for true. You can crave the things of God. You can have on the inside of you an intense craving for worship, an intense craving for the word, an intense craving for prayer. Those kind of things can rise up on the inside. You can desire these things, crave these things, and that's good. That's good. Paul even told us, he said, desire earnestly the greater gifts. It's okay to have a craving for those things because God wants you to move in those, in in the gifts of the Spirit. But just because you have a desire for a spiritual thing does not mean that God put it there because there are some things that are, are, are not. Paul said, you know, as far as apostles and prophets and so forth, God appointed them. God appointed them, not yourself. Don't appoint yourself for those, those particular things. So we see they have this craving. We go on, verse 5. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. Oh, really? Can you just see the Egyptians saying, uh, did you want any more fish? Did you have enough fish? This is an all-you-can-eat fish bar. And we have all kinds of fish out here for you. We have the tuna. We have the salmon. We have the flounder. We have some shark. We have, all kind, we have some mako. What kind of fish would you like today? And if we don't have it, our chefs are sure to prepare it for you. And, and would you like that Cajun? Would you like that served with some lemon, uh, lemon sauce? Uh, what, what, how would you like your fish served? Did that happen? No, see, when we begin to desire something that we're not supposed to have, when we desire, desire to pursue something in our flesh, our flesh remembers things incorrectly. And that's what they did here. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Now, I understand wanting some some meat. I can understand that. I cannot understand having a craving for cucumbers. Now, cucumbers are good. Don't get me wrong. If I go to the Wawa and I get a hoagie, you know what things I'm putting on there? Cucumbers. I love cucumbers on a hoagie. I think it's... It's fantastic. I don't put lettuce on my hoagies. I put spinach on my hoagies because I like raw spinach. Don't like it cooked, but as long as it's raw, it's good. Put some raw spinach on there. Put some cucumbers on there. Those things are are good. But I've never had a craving. Oh, man, you know what? I just, I could really go for a cucumber right now. I never had that. The melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now our whole bean is dried up and there is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Now watch this. The thing that God has provided for our sustenance is insufficient, and we are drying up. What God is giving us is not good enough. I need more. I need something outside of what God is providing right now. That's what they're saying. Look at that again. But now our whole being is dried up. Our whole being is dried up. Now, you see, your flesh will exaggerate things. And it will make your problem that you seem to have far greater than it really is. And complaining begins to come up. And the more you complain, the bigger the problem is. Now, they didn't just start off complaining to Moses. 
what did they start off complaining? To each other. They first off complained to their spouse and to their children. I'm getting tired of this manna. And when the other children and the, the other spouse, they begin to chime in. Yeah, I'm getting tired of this too. Now it feeds each other. See, when you complain by yourself and you're left by yourself, no one else joins in, it kind of dies. You go out and you try and find another group that will listen to your complaint. Generally, we only complain to groups who we feel are sympathetic to our complaint and will also fuel our complaining. We don't want people to come in there and stop it. You know, look at it this way. If you went out and you started a workout program and you got a workout coach and that workout coach was working you hard, who would you complain to? Would you complain to the workout coach? No. No. Why would you not complain to the workout coach? Because you get no sympathy there. That workout coach said, you think that was hard? Well, wait till tomorrow. Why do you see what I'm going to do with you tomorrow? They're, going to, they're not going to sympathize with your, your problems there. If you're on a diet, your doctor has put you on a diet, and you're complaining about this diet, you don't go to the doctor, call them up on the phone and say, look, I just want to complain to you about this diet. Because what's the doctor going to say? He's not going to entertain your complaints. Well, fine then. Go ahead and die. Right? He's not going to entertain your complaints. You're going to find some people who will entertain your complaints and help fuel that and keep that going on. If you're going to complain about your spouse, you're going to find somebody outside of your spouse. You're going to find somebody different that you can complain to who maybe also has problems with their spouse so that you can complain together. If you're going to complain about your kids, you're going to find people who have problems with their kids and talk to them so that their complaining can fuel your complaining. And the more that you fuel it, the more you complain, the more bold you become to the point that now they got it bold enough that they're going to come to Moses. And they're going to complain to Moses. And this has never worked out well. But you see, because they complain with each other, now they're feeling emboldened to go out there and to do this. Now verse 7 describes manna for us. Now the manna was like coriander seed, and it's colored like the color of, um, however you say that, bedellium. The people went about and gathered it, grounded on millstones or beat it into in the mortar cooked it in pans made cakes of it and its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil and when the dew fell on the camp in the night the manna fell on it so this is how it came so what they do was in order to complain about what they don't have they first despise what god was supplying daily in order for you to get into a complaining mode, you must despise what God is providing to you on a daily basis. If you begin to complain that your spiritual gift is not what it should be, you are despising what God has done with you on a daily basis with the gifts that you have. You have to despise that first. If you are saying, oh, I wish I knew more about the Word. I can't believe God has not told me more. I can't believe God has not shared more with me about the Word. I should have greater knowledge of this. You are despising what God has already given you in the area of the Word. Whatever talents or abilities you have, and you begin to crave another ability or talent, you are despising the ones that He has already given you. When you complain about the people in your life, 
you are despising the blessing that God has brought to your life through the people that you have. Well, amen, that's so anyway. Because we despise what it is that we have. We have to do that first before complaining can really kick in the high gear. I may start off a little bit of complaining, but I'm going to get to that spot where I, I kick it in the high gear and I despise what God has given me. I despise the opportunities God has given me. I despise the people. I despise the blessing. I despise the, all the things God has given. I'm looking at it and say, it's nothing. It's nothing because I don't have this. I want to have this. So everything else is gone. It's kind of like, uh, remember back, back in the Old Testament, Book of Kings, and Ahab who was king over all the land, and all of a sudden he wanted a vegetable garden. Somebody should pull his man card because he desires a vegetable garden this strong. I think that should have happened. But anyway, he was uh, back there. He desired a vegetable garden and he wanted to approach the guy who owned the land he wanted to turn into the vegetable garden. He says, let me buy this from you. And so um, that didn't go, go so well. He says, no, I'm not going to do it. This is the place that I need to, this is the place I need to be at. This is the place that I need to uh, stay. It's my family's place. So um, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give this thing away. This is mine. And so uh, he, was, he went home. He was distraught. He was sad. Because why in the world, why in the world would a king who has everything he could want to have, huge house, couple of houses, he had two big houses, at least two big houses. He had a summer house. He had the regular house. And he could go to the summer house. He could stay in the regular house. He had all this money. He had all this provision. All these things were his, and yet he didn't have a vegetable garden. And his wife finds him laid out on the bed, sad, crying, not even wanting to eat anything because I don't have a vegetable garden. In order to complain about the things that you don't have or the things are not going the way that they should, you have to despise what it is that you have. In order to do that, you've got to become unthankful. And once we become unthankful, we are a fertile ground for all sorts of stuff. So they despise what God was supplying daily. They despise what they had to get what they lacked. They despised what they had to get what they lacked. Remembering what never really was. And your flesh will do this. You'll remember things like they never happened. It didn't really happen that way, but you remember it happened that way. And you'll think fondly back on that memory, but it never happened that way. Verse 10. Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. So imagine this. Moses gets the complaint from, I'm sure not all the people came to his door, but a number of the people. And so he begins to walk around in the camp. And all the people coming out to the doors complaining, we're tired of manna. We want some meat. We're tired of manna. We want some meat. Moses, we're tired of manna. We want some meat. Everywhere he's going, this is what he's hearing. He's hearing it inside the houses. He's hearing it with some people come outside the houses. Some people come to the doors just to let him know we are tired of this manna. We want some meat. This is what he hears. Now, has Moses complained? Is he eating the same food? He's got to do the same thing they do. He's got to go out and gather the food in the proportions that God said to gather it, prepare it, and so forth. 
and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused, Moses also was displeased. Now, how many of y'all think that's a little lower than what God is? God's anger is greatly aroused. What's it say about Moses? He was displeased. I don't think that Moses is quite as hot about this as God is. And there's a reason for it. Let me go on here. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight? That you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them? That you should cry, or that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, Give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear with all these people alone, because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here. And now, if I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see, and do not let me see my wretchedness. How many of you would say that Moses sounds a little depressed? We don't usually see Moses like this. Usually, when God gets aroused in anger, what's Moses do? He gets aroused in anger too. But he doesn't. It says he was displeased. Displeased, not aroused with anger. That means that God is here and Moses has moved away. He separated himself from what God feels. Why? Because Moses is feeling something that God is not. And he begins to complain. And he begins to put this burden upon God. And look at the things, look at all the different things that he says. Let's go over it again. Verse 11, why have you afflicted your servant? (laughs) How many have you ever seen the ministry that God has given you as an affliction from God? All right, nobody's shaking their head, but come on, sometimes. Sometimes the ministry we do for God seems like an affliction. Because of the people that we deal with, because of the lack of respect sometimes we get, because of the uh, problems that we face. Because it's not moving the way that we think that it should. All kinds of reasons come up. There's all kinds of reasons why. But we look at the ministry we have and we get, instead of we were glad for it before. But now all of a sudden I feel afflicted. Now we either do one, once we feel afflicted, we either do one of two, uh, three things. We either blame God, which is what Moses does. We blame the enemy or we blame people. We never blame ourselves. We blame God. We blame the enemy. Or we blame people. You know, God, why have you done this to me? God, these people you have given me. Or else we come against the, the enemy. And we stand against him. Very seldom do we sit back and say, well, I need to change something. Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight? In other words, why don't you like me? Have you ever felt that God didn't like you? Because of something that you have, something that God has done, something that God has given you, something that God has, you know, it's a blessing and for a while, but then all of a sudden it's not such much of a blessing. And you think, well, God, why did you put me in this? Why do I have this? Why did this come upon me? We can get upset. And we can think, well, God must not like me. The reason that God has done this is because God does not like me. Oh. That's what Moses is feeling. 
You look back on Moses' life. God dealt with him when he was young about being a deliverer. And Moses ran from it. And then God shows up and shows up and speaks to him in a burning bush. Gives him power to do all kinds of... And ten plagues roll out upon the nation of Egypt the power of which no one had seen before. Parted the waters of the Red Sea because Moses held his rod over it. Had water come from a rock because Moses struck it. Had bread come down from heaven because Moses asked for it. And after all that, he goes to God and says, Why don't you like me? God stopped his plan to wipe out Israel because Moses asked him to. Wouldn't you think that's enough evidence that God likes you? Apparently not. Not quite so much here. That you have laid the burden of all these people on me. When you are in ministry and the ministry feels like it has become a burden... You have made a wrong change. It's not God. The ministry is still the same. The call is still the same. But you have changed under it. And now, what was a blessing is now feeling like a burden. Well, amen, it's so anyway. I have been in places where the the ministry that God gave me began to feel like a burden. And I followed some of these same patterns and began to complain. And began to accuse God. God, why have you brought this upon me? Why has this come down? Instead of looking at what God has done. And of looking at what God is doing. We stop doing that. So, why have you afflicted your servant? Why have I not found favor in your sight? That you have laid the burden of all these people on me. Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom? As a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to, your, to their fathers? Did Moses conceive all these people? Of course not. Do you need to inform God about that? You see, when we get into this state, we say stupid things. This is one of them. Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which I, you swore to your fathers? Has God ever said, carry them? No, he hasn't said that. So where did Moses get that idea? As a result of the people complaining, he began to feel like it's all on me. Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? Where am I to get meat? See, when we fall into this mode, the ministry we had, the things we were doing for God, that we saw God providing through us, now all of a sudden we feel like we had to generate it. Why doesn't Moses say this before? Where am I to get water for all these people? But he doesn't say that, does he? Where am I to get bread for all these people? He doesn't say that. Where am I to get deliverance for all these people? He doesn't say that. He goes to God and he lets God bring it out. He goes to God, God, we have a need for water. All right, we'll do this. And he does it. And it works. When you get into that mode and you're complaining and complaining. First off, you just complain to a few people that you know will sympathize. But then you begin to spread that complaining out. And you begin to talk to other people. And then that complaining spreads even more. Until finally you get bold and you begin to complain to people that you know are not going to be sympathetic, but you feel empowered. And now you even come to God. And you'll complain to God. God, why have you afflicted me? Why don't you like me? 
What is wrong with me that you do these kind of things? And we complain about God. Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep all over me saying, give us meat that we may eat. Well, they wept all over him before too, didn't they? But that didn't have the same effect on them. I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. Is Moses alone? No. Who's with him? The guy he's talking to. God. But you see, when you fall into this mode, just as Moses is, not only do you begin to complain, but you feel like no one else is here to help. No one else is here to help you. No one else is here. You are in it by yourself. God's not helping you. Other people aren't helping you. And everyone's against you. And if you're going to accomplish this for God, you're going to have to do it on your own. You're going to have to come up with the meat. You're going to have to come up with the plan. And it's going to be your power that will bring this thing about. All the while, your complaining level continues to rise. You not only complain to yourself, you complain to as many people as you can. And you complain and complain and complain. What happens to your mountain when you complain? It gets bigger. And pretty soon this little thing that was down over here is huge in your life. It was never even supposed to be a mountain in your life to move. Now you've got this huge mountain. And you created it yourself. You created it with your own complaining and your own view. So now Moses has a mountain he wasn't supposed to have. He says, finally, if you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. If I have found favor in your sight, do not let me see my wretchedness. This is the ultimate part here. When you get so caught up under all this, you just begin to say, God, just take me out. Just take me out. Uh, I'm just tired of this. I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to exit. And that's where Moses is at. So here we see that Moses' response to God is different. He hasn't responded to God this way before. This is a very different response for Moses. And he got that way how? Because the complaining of the people got to him. He was doing fine. Then the complaining of the people got to him. Verse 16. So the Lord said to Moses. Now how many think these are good words? How many, this is what you want to hear. When you go to God and you say all these things, this is what you want God to to say to you, right? Oh, Steve, you have just done an outstanding job. In fact, I don't know too many people who would have done as good of a job as you did under all that you've been under. I mean, you just have been outstanding. I can't tell you how much I appreciate all your effort, and I'm sorry that you're going through all this right now. But you know what? We're going to get through it. Come on, buck up. Let's go and that's that's what you want to hear from God, right? That's not what Moses heard from God. If Moses doesn't hear this from God, how many of y'all know you're not hearing it from God either? So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people, and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. God, didn't you just hear all the things I said? I gave you a pretty good list of stuff, and you're ignoring all of them? What's going on? Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you and I will put that same spirit upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. Then you shall say to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow and you shall eat meat for you have wept in the hearing of the Lord saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you meat and you shall eat. You shall eat not one day 
Not two days, not five days, not ten days, not twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you because you have despised the Lord who is among you and have wept before him saying, why did we ever come up out of Egypt? So he says, you want some meat? I'm going to give you some meat, but I'm not just going to give you enough meat for today. I'm not just going to give you enough meat for two days. I'm not just giving you enough meat for a week. Uh-uh. No, no. I'm going to give you enough meat for a month. You are going to eat nothing but meat for an entire month. And by the time this is done, it's going to be coming out your nose. This is God talking. It's going to be coming out your nose. I heard a, uh, I don't know where I heard this at, but it's a story a long time ago. There was a father who caught his son smoking. Caught him smoking. I don't know how old the son was, probably not of an age to have bought the cigarettes. But uh, he, was, he was, you know, he didn't want him to see him go in this direction. So he, this is what he did with him. He took him and he, uh, he had him smoke cigarette after cigarette after cigarette after cigarette. Until the boy got sick on the cigarettes. And then uh, and, and that was it. I even saw this on TV one time. There was a TV show I saw. I don't know what show it was. I just remember the show. The kid was out there. He was smoking a cigar. Saw his dad smoking a cigar, I guess, or saw people smoking a cigar. Saw him smoking a cigar. So the dad just jumped on it. And he said, yeah, smoke that cigar. When you get done that one, I got another one for you. And then I gave him another cigar. And when he got done that one, I got another one for you. He just kept him giving him the cigars. And his, the mom comes out. And she sees the two of them out there smoking the cigars. And around that time, the boy gets sick and runs off from the porch to go throw up. And uh, the dad says to the mom, because she's yelling at him. Why are you having our son smoking cigars? And she, he looks up at her and he goes, well, I think he's about ready to give it up. <laughs> but I heard from people who've done stuff like this, that whether it was cigarettes or cigars or whatever it was, that after they had that experience, they got so sick on it that they never wanted to see another one again. They were done with it. Never, they got sick on it and that was it. They don't, they don't want to touch it. And uh, got them cured of the thing. You would think that God would get them cured of complaining here. Of course, that's not the case because we know the rest of the story. But it'd be nice if that was the, the way it would go. He says, The reason for it was because you have despised the Lord who was among you and have wept before him, saying, Why did we ever come out of Egypt? So you see, when you get into complaining, you are despising the things of God. And Moses said, The people whom I, whom I am among are 600,000 men on foot. So that's 600,000 men, we're not talking about boys. We're talking about men. These are fighting age men. 600,000, they all have wives. So that's 600, another 600, that's 1.2 million right there. Then if you count all the kids, that's how they come up with, it's one of the ways they come up with the 2 to 4 million people that are in the group right here. 600,000 men on foot. Yet you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat for a whole month. Now Moses can't believe this. God has just said, I'm going to give them meat for an entire month. And Moses cannot believe what God has said. He says, look at the amount of people we have here. Look at all these people. And you're going to tell me that you're going to give them enough meat to eat for an entire month? Since when have we ever seen Moses without the ability to believe God? Hasn't Moses always had the ability to believe what God has said? And yet here we have him not being able to believe what God has said. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough for them? 
Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to provide enough for them? Now, he's already gathered the waters. That wasn't a big deal. But now Moses is talking in this way. Have we ever heard Moses talk like this? What are you going to do? Are you going to gather all the fish and bring them all here that they can eat? Because he's looking at it that they need a lot of meat. We'd have to gather the entire, all the fish out of all the seas in order to feed these folks. You see, whenever you get into a complaining mode and it pulls you out of your belief, you can begin to complain about God. You can begin to complain to God. All these things that were seen in Moses, you follow all these things, you begin to doubt the ability of God. Even though you've seen great things, Moses has seen great things already. He is doubting the ability of God. I love the Lord's response here. And the Lord said to Moses, Has the Lord's arm been shortened? (laughs) He says a lot in a few words, doesn't he? Has something happened here? Did my arm get short? Did my power get weaker? What has occurred here? But you see, the more you complain the smaller your God gets and the bigger your mountain gets. That's why the devil loves to feed complaints. Because no matter what you complain about, who you complain to, your doubts will grow and your faith will decrease. That is a result of any kind of complaint. Any kind of complaint will result in your doubts growing and your faith shrinking. Got to stay out of it. Has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. Isn't that amazing? He's got to say that to Moses. That Moses is doubting that the things that God has said would happen. God's response to Moses is to put more on his support staff. That's what he's basically saying. Go get 70 elders. I'm going to take the spirit that's on you and I'm going to put it on them. We're going to have 70 Moses going around here. And for the, first time in a, for the first time in a long while, Moses has a hard time believing God. For the first time in a long while, Moses has a hard time believing God. It's a shame. But if we complain, we're going to do the same thing. How often do we see the children of Israel complaining? And how much of their faith has grown? We don't see Moses complaining much until now. This is the first time we've seen Moses complain. And what are we seeing about his faith? It is diminished. You've got to understand this principle. If you complain, your faith will not remain. It's important for you to understand that. If you complain, your faith will not remain. I don't care what you're complaining about. If you complain... Your faith will not remain. It will go. It will leave. It will weaken. It won't stay the same. Verse 24. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to them, spoke to him, and took the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied although they never did so again. But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad, 
and the name of the other was Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them. So they couldn't hide from Even though they didn't come out. 68 apparently came out. Two stayed behind. For whatever reason. But the Spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed who had gone, who had not gone out of the tabernacle. Yet they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of the choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses returned to the camp, both he and the elders of Israel. So he's glad. He wants to see this. He's accepted what the Lord has said, and he's going on. Joshua doesn't understand this. No, no, no. Moses, you need to be the guy. Moses says, no, I don't need to be the guy. Now a wind went out from the Lord and it brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp. After about a day's journey on this side and about a day's journey on the other side, all around the camp and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. Two cubits above the surface of the ground. And the people stayed up all that night all that day, all that night, and all the next day, and gathered the quail. He who gathered least gathered ten homers. I didn't look up how much that was. But I'm going to pretty much assure you from the context, it's a lot. And they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people. And the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. And what started all that off? They were complaining. The reason that we complain is because our patience has run out. You're going to be hard-pressed to find any other reason to complain than that your patience has run out. I think this should have happened by now, and it hasn't. I think God should have done this by now, and it hasn't. I think I should have been able to do this by now, but I haven't. I think this should have gone gone this way, but it didn't. And we become impatient with waiting any longer. And because of it, we begin to complain. And complain. And complain. And again, we start small. We start with people that are going to be friendly to our complaints. And as it gains steam, we find other people. And then it gains steam, and pretty soon we don't care whether they would be sympathetic to our complaints or not. We begin to complain to anyone until we get to the point that we complain even to God and tell God. And we're telling God what's going on, like Moses did. And God is telling, uh, Moses is telling God what's happening. See, complaining will be a problem. Think back in your Bibles in the book of Genesis. Abraham is approached by God. And God comes to him and he says some of the most the nicest things. He comes to him and he says, Abraham, blessed of the Lord. And Abraham says, how can I be blessed if I don't have an heir? Oh, well, where did that come from? Because he's been thinking about this. And he's been complaining about it probably to his wife. And probably complaining about it to a few others. But he complained and complained and complained. And then he said it to God. Now, up till now, there's been no baby. Because he's not in faith yet. Why is he not in faith? Well, here's one reason. He's complaining. 
to the point that he got to complain to God. When was the last time you complained? I hope you got to think hard. But we can complain about all kinds of things. We've got to be careful about what we complain about. We need to eliminate all of it. We can complain because a show we like is not on the TV. It's supposed to be on now. Why is it not there? Something happened. Some other show came on. Some emergency took place. And they put the emergency thing on instead of the show I want. Can't believe I got to watch this thing about the emergency. I wanted to see this particular show. And we begin to complain. We begin to become dissatisfied. And if there's things that are making you complain, folks, you got to be careful what it is you're bringing in all the time. Stop the complaining. Because the more we complain, it is wearing down our patience. And I am not willing to wait any longer. And the more I complain, the bigger the mountains are in my life. In fact, I don't just have one or two mountains anymore that the enemy has put in my path. Instead, I've got five, six, seven, eight. And I'm looking at a life that is overwhelmed because how can I deal with all these mountains? Well, you created a bunch of them. Because every time that you complain, you're taking shovels full of dirt, throwing it on your mountain. You're making it bigger. Don't complain. Learned to not complain. You would think Israel would have learned this, right? We saw they complained at the Red Sea. They complained in Egypt. They complained at the water. They complained at the uh, no food. They complained at the, the second time when there was absolutely no water around. Not just bitter water, just no water around. They complained about that. They complained so much that God just put it in there. Hey, they complained and I burned a bunch of them up. And we don't even know what they complained about. And you would think this would take care of them, right? But it's not. Because we're going to, a few chapters from here, we're going to find out they complained again. And then some of them rise up and they complain, we don't like this Moses as our leader. We don't think that he's the only anointed one. We think there's other people that are anointed. And they complain. And they complain. And they complain. And they complain. But here's what happens. If we will not complain about the things that our flesh finds, what the enemy will try and do is to get our flesh to crave after spiritual things and create a fake craving, fake desire for something spiritual so that we can complain about that. Because all he has to do is get us into a place where we complain. Now, the enemy wants Israel wiped out. He sees how good complaining works. And if you wonder why they keep falling into it, it's because the enemy wants them wiped out. So he's going to find all the reasons he can to get them to complain. And he's going to sow these thoughts into their head. No water? Complain to God. No food? Complain to Moses. No water? Complain again. Whatever it is that we're missing, complain. He just should, you, you, should, you should say something about this. You should not have to go through this. Complain, complain, complain. I put this in your outline for you. We must follow the desires of the Lord, but not our own intense cravings. We must follow the desires of the Lord, but not our own intense cravings. Look at verse 34. We didn't finish this off yet. So he called the name of that place Kibroth Hatava, because they, they buried the people who had yielded to cravings. Now, if you wonder what that means, it means graves of craving. Graves of craving. From Kibroth Hatava, the people moved to Hezeroth and camped at Hezeroth. So they kept moving on. But people died. You have not died yet because of your complaining. 
But with the children of Israel, people died when they complained. And yet, they will go from here and they will complain again. Moses even names the place after what happened. Graves of complaining. So every time you say, do you remember that place over there? Graves of complaining? What happened? People died because they complained. What are you doing now? I'm complaining. But they won't stop. What we have to understand is that complaining has an effect upon our life. And it drains us of faith. It drains us of the things that we need to move on. But it also drains the people that are around us. Because complaining will have an effect upon ourselves. It will affect us. That's the first thing. It will affect ourselves. Second, it will affect our leaders. Do you know that when you complain, you weaken the leaders that are around you? You weaken the leaders that are to help you. You weaken them. Moses, as strong and as good of a leader as he was, and he had faced complaint after complaint after complaint, but we see that even complaints among, uh, towards Moses had their effect, and he gave in to this. And when he gave in, thank God that Israel did not need an intercessor because Moses would not have been there. It will affect ourselves. It will affect our leaders. And you can write this in here either way you want. It will affect our congregation or affect our, uh, the people that are around us. When you become a great complainer, it will affect the people that are around with. That's the people that you live with. That's the people that you worship with. That's the people that you work with. That's the people that you live near. It will affect all those people. Every time that we saw the complaints come out in Israel, every single time, it started with some, it moved to, until it took over the entire congregation. And the entire congregation became affected by this. People died in the congregation. Bad things happened in the congregation. Changes were made in the congregation. They con- these things continue to happen. But they will not learn their lesson. They will go from here and they will complain. They will complain again. I put this in your outline for you. Complaining is easy, but rise to the level in your walk where you are able to resist walking in it. That's a goal that we ought to have. Have that goal in yourself. I can resist walking in complaining. I can be around a bunch of complaining people and I won't complain myself. And I won't go from that to go back and complain to God. Don't do it. Don't do it. It will not help you. Put one more thing in your outline for you. Rejoicing brings a positive effect. Complaining brings a negative effect, but rejoicing brings a positive effect. Walk in the way of rejoicing. Be thankful. The Word of God is always telling us, and be thankful, or be thankful in this, or be joyful in this. Not be complaining. Complaining people are not joyful people. Complaining people are not thankful people. And none of those traits are the traits that God wants you to have. And yet, how often in our Christian walk do we feel that we have the spiritual right to sit around and complain? What good will it do you? No good at all. It wears out your patience and you only have as much faith as you have patience. So if you knock out all your patience, you got no faith. How can you move a mountain in your life if you have no faith? You can't. So the enemy has... Uh, successfully disarmed you by getting you into the area of complaining. And it will wear out your patience. People who complain a lot have little or no patience at all. 
People who complain a little have some patience. But people who can eliminate complaining out of their life are people who have great patience. And that's where we need to get. This story, we haven't looked at this story too many times in our time here at Zoe. I think only about three or four. Three is all I found. It may have been some times before then that we, we covered it. But um, it's an important lesson for us to learn because Moses even falls into complaining in this story. And we see the effect that it had on him. Moses was not able to believe the words that God spoke directly to him because he fell into complaining. You think you're greater than Moses? There is no way you will believe the words that God speaks to you if you are a complainer, if you are in the midst of complaining. If Moses couldn't do it, neither can you and neither can I. So I have to eliminate complaining from my day-to-day life. I can't complain. I just learned I, I can't do it. When people start acting up and doing things they shouldn't be doing, I'm not going to go off and complain. I'm not going to go off and have my time with God wasted with all the time talking about people's complaints, talking about people's uh, discouraging things they do. Can't do it. I know it can't because if I do it, I lose all my power. You lose all your power. I can't do it. When the thought comes in to start complaining about this, get rid of it. You get rid of it. You know? I was, um, I, some of you know this, I gave up watching football this year. I just gave it up. I didn't, I didn't watch it. The last game I watched was uh, Nikolai was over at the house and he wanted to put the game on. He put the game on. I didn't even put it on. Sometimes I recorded and said, well, maybe if I want to, I'll go back and watch it. Have, don't usually I end up going back and doing that. Because what was going on was the, the officials are so bad this year that I'm watching the game. And you know what I'm doing? You can guess. I'm complaining. I'm complaining about the refs. I'm complaining about the calls. You know how much enjoyment I got out of the game? None. So you know what I decided to do? I'm not going to watch it. If I don't watch it, I can't complain about it. So I got rid of it. That's fine. I did better with that. See, if, it, we, if something comes in your life and it's stirring up those complaints, is this something that I really need? Now, you've got to be careful with this because there's sometimes the answer to that is yes. How many have ever had people come into your life and they've, they've stirred up complaining on the inside of you? Yeah, but do you need them? Well, if God has assigned you to help them, then yes. You stay with them, but don't complain. Don't complain. Because the more we fall into complaining, the weaker we get. Don't do it. And don't think you're immune to it. Because if Moses was not immune, neither are you. We don't see Moses complain a whole lot. This is not the only time we see Moses complain. There's a handful of other times we do. And every time we do, he has a hard time believing God. He has a hard time obeying God. Doesn't he complain some when Moses, when he sees the burning bush and God is speaking to him from the burning bush? Doesn't he have some complaints? Has a hard time receiving what God is saying because he's got these complaints. Until he finally let go of those complaints. And then he went on. Back in the first, he did the first um, miracle with the water turning to blood. And the people reacted poorly. And what does he do? He goes back to God and complains. And that's the last time we saw Moses complain until this time. But it affected him in that. He shook it off. He got better. 
But watch your life. Am I complaining? Doesn't mean that you can't deal with, with things. Jesus dealt with things, negative things, but he didn't sit around and complain about it. He just stepped in, spoke to it, and we moved on. Follow Jesus' example. Don't follow the children of Israel's example. That's a bad one. And really, when you think of it, what do you have to complain about? I ask myself that all the time. What do I really have to complain about? What do I really have? My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. My life down here on earth is so much better because I have the knowledge of God. Because I have the joy of the Lord in me. I may be facing trials and tests and things, but I've got that on the inside of me. How bad is it really? Then you can begin to look around at all the things God has blessed you with and you see them as a blessing. But when you complain, you don't see them as a blessing. Get out of complaining because complaining will drain you of your patience. Will drain your patience, gone. No patience and no ability to believe what God has said. God can speak directly to you. Directly to you. And just like Moses, you'll say, how are you going to do that? You're going to get all the fish in the sea and gather them up for us to eat? Is that what you're going to do? He's almost sarcastic with God. And you can follow the same pattern if you complain. Just stand up with me. Father, we thank you for the example of Moses. I thank you, Father, that you even put in some of the times that he fell from the sterling example he was in the Word of God. That we can see what happens to us when we fall into those things. Remind us, Father, on a daily basis to stay out of the area of complaining. To stay in the area of thanksgiving, gladness, and joy. If we complain about whatever it is, we complain about our cars, we complain about our house, we complain about our weather, we'll find no enjoyment in it. None at all. But Father, you want us to find enjoyment in everything that, was, that is around us. I thank you, Father, for the help that you give us to move us on, to grow us up. And this week, Father, if we are found to be complaining about anything, I thank you that you just remind us of this story and others ones like it. And we pull ourselves out of the complaining mode and put ourselves back into the thanksgiving mode. That we are thankful for the children you have blessed us with. We are thankful for the spouses that you have given us. We're thankful for our house. We're thankful for our car. We're thankful for our job. We're thankful for all the things you've given us. Father, we give you the blessings for it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. If you're here this morning, every head bowed, if you're here this morning and you say, all right, well, complaining is not just something I fall into every once in a while, but complaining has become a bad place for me. And I'm finding complaining just taking over more of my day. And I know I need to stop this. Every head bowed, raise your hand up. I'm not going to call you up, but we'll pray specifically for those who raise your hands right now. Glory to God. Father God, you see the hands that were raised up? First thing we have to do is recognize what it is that we're doing in order for you to fix it. Thank you, Father, for the help that you give us to overcome this in our life. That we are not complainers, but we are rejoicers. 
We are those who give thanks in all things. And I praise you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We have some prayer requests here today. I see one praise report. Any other praise reports that we got? All right. Well, uh, Ethel gives us a praise report. She says, my dad had a, a pacemaker inserted successfully on Tuesday and is now recovering in a rehab facility. And uh, number two, after being on the job six months, I am getting a raise. <laughs> uh, that's a good thing to hear. Um, we had a couple of uh, other prayer requests. And I'm not sure who put this in. Uh, Marguerite, did you put it in? You said sister-in-law. Is that your sister-in-law? Your sister-in-law. Okay. So not neither one of your sisters, just the sister-in-law. All right. And where is she at? Oh, Temple Hospital. Okay. So uh, they put this in. Unless um, the sister-in-law is in ICU, lung disease episode reported that it doesn't look good. But we one agreement that God will raise her up healed. Is she believing God for her healing? Does she? She's a believer? Not sure what she's doing on the, the, the area of that? You're going to have a chance to get in there and minister to her? Oh, good. We, can, we know how to pray for this one then. All right. Uh, Bobby said he is dealing with extreme fatigue. Uh, Susan says she has a porch and needs repair, and it could be major. Pray that it won't be as bad as it looks and that she'll find a good contractor. And if anybody knows a good contractor, we can uh, you know, help God out with that and tell her some things. Uh, Brother Jolly, pray for our brother Christ, uh, brethren Christian in the city of, I don't know how to say that, Kor- Koragosh? Did I get it? Whoa. All right. In Iraq, ISIS has taken over the, overtaken the city and beheading them for their faith. I did not even hear about this. Wow. Pray God confound the enemy and grant victory. <laughs> To his own. All right. We've got some things to pray about. Let's pray together. Well, Father, we just thank you for the hand of protection that you put upon your ministers and your people who are called by your name. That these people have taken over this city, may desire to kill all Christians. But, Father, your desire is that they be preserved. So, Father, I thank you for your hand being shown as strong here and that this group, ISIS, is not able to accomplish the things that they want to accomplish Father, I thank you for those who have stood up for you, even to the point of losing their life, that their reward is on the other side. And they have left a testimony behind. But, Father, for those who have not been killed, I thank you, Father, for the strength you give them to stand on their faith and the way that you show up as you have in the history of this world, showing up for those who call upon your name. We thank you for that, Father, right now. Father, we just pray right now for Les and Marguerite that as they go and they minister to the sister-in-law, that they're able to minister the power of God, the hope that is in His Word. We saw people in the New Testament as Jesus came to minister to them, hopeless cases who suddenly heard about Jesus and what He could do, believed it, and restored completely. So, Father, we just pray right now that as they go in and minister that she has ears to hear and faith to receive and believe. We thank you for that right now. For Father, there is nothing that goes on in our bodies that you cannot fix as you showed us with the ministry of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for Bobby too. Whatever is causing this extreme fatigue, 
And Father, you just restore that body and all the strength that it has and that it needs. Glory be to God. And Father, we pray for Susan. For wisdom on how to fix this porch. For the people that can come together to help this thing out and to, to get this repair done in a way that is not expensive. We thank you, Father, for it. Thank you for the help that you give in getting that done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Well, last, last uh, Sunday after the service, we talked to you all about sharing and inviting. I hope you all got some opportunities to do that. As you do, we'd love to hear about it. But get on out there and, and look for people to invite. Find some people that you can invite out to church and they can just come along with you. We'd love to see you be, a, be doing that more. And uh, love to see you get the encouragement because I know every single one of you, if you invited somebody and they came out to church with you, you just would be excited as anything. So um, ask God for your help, for his help in leading you to the people that are just waiting for an invitation to come. My wife has something to, to share with us here at the end, and I don't know where our microphone got to. Oh, we got it down here. All right. Nobody got them. All right. Well, we're going to have to take care of that. Um, we are doing a hoagie sale for the, the kids next door, and they're going to need your help to do this. So these forms are in the back there if you want to bring them in to, um, to your jobs or whatever, neighbors, or just even for yourselves. It's not just about raising the money. There's another purpose for this. And once this is all done and we go through the whole process, I'll share it with you what, what the Lord was showing me about doing this, a simple thing as a hoagie sale. <clears throat> so if you want to participate in that, you know, um, grab one of the papers back there. This is really, really loud. Um, the other thing is we're really pushing our building fund this year because we are in, um, what's the word, a- agreement <laughs> that we're getting out of this building this year. Amen? How many of you can agree with me on that? We're getting out of this building, something new. God's got something like we sang about this morning. He is more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. Hallelujah. All right. So the last Sunday of every month, beginning with this month. Now, I know some of you already, you put money toward the building fund each week. And if you want to do that, that's fine. But the last Sunday of every month is going to be our big push for building fund. So seek the Lord about that, how much he'd have you to give, if you'd have to give, you know, each week or just on that day. But that is going to be our big push um, just as an offering to to the building fund. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Pray with me um, <clears throat> that, how can I say this? There's some buildings out there, and there's one that I've really got my heart set on, and I, I, I've told you about it, and it's still just kind of sitting there. We want to go to the right place. We want to go where God has for us, amen, wherever that might be. So just let's pray and agree that we all have the same direction, We all hear the same thing from God and not many different voices. Amen. All right. Um, That's really all I had to share. Just pick up your hoagie form if you want to participate with that with the kids. um, And then come and get your tax statement. Did you have something else?